Amen. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is where you are. Thank you for joining me for Rev, Kev, and The Root. Uh, well, we get to the root and not just the shoot. We don't want to just look at, uh, you know, manifest actions of human behavior, but we want to get to the root of that behavior. What is causing that particular behavior in our lives? Um, and of course, we know that some behavior can tend to be uh, can tend to good outcomes and bad behavior can tend to uh, adverse or or bad outcomes. And so, you know, the whole of human experience is made up of uh, people and what is inside of them and whatever is inside of them will be seen in society today. Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to, to walk in your word, to do the things that you ask us to do. Because, Father, we know we can't do it on our own. But as the Holy Spirit gives us the power to carry out your word, we're able. And even as your word says, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so, Father, we don't think for a minute that it's us that is able to do uh, anything on our own. But, Lord, only as you in us uh, give us the power and strength and the ability to do these things. Lord, that's even why you told your disciples uh, when you were going back into heaven, once you had been crucified and rose again from the dead and, and talk with them. And you told them not to leave Jerusalem until they had been endued with power from on high, because you knew that they were going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that you were asking them to do. And so it is today that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that you're asking us to do, to, to live the life that you're asking us to live. And so, Father, I thank you that you have given us this second work of grace, Lord, salvation. We, we, we thank you for salvation. And we also thank you for the second work of grace, which is the infilling of the Holy Spirit that came upon your apostles and your disciples that day and also came upon the house of Cornelius and also comes upon our lives when, when Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you and we know that from the authority of the word that Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues because your word says it, Lord. Even uh, John, who said that he was not worthy to unla un unlace your your sandals, Jesus. He said, but one comes after me who is mightier than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He said, I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, that paraclete, the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is not just to speak in tongues, but the Holy Spirit uh, Jesus, you said that the Holy Spirit would come and he would lead us and guide us into all the truth. He would give us revelation into what your word is really saying. He would give us insight into what your word is really saying. And Jesus, you said that he would take of yours and reveal it unto us. Lord, you said through the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians to the church at Corinth, you said that uh no man knows the things of a man except the spirit that is in him. And you said, eye has not seen and ear has not heard, neither has it entered into our hearts the things that you have prepared for us, Lord. But you said that your Holy Spirit has revealed them unto us because the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 
and reveals them unto us or whoever he wills to reveal them. So, Father, I ask that you would reveal yourself today through your word. I ask that your Holy Spirit would give us uh, uh, anointing and that your Holy Spirit would give us power to be able to open up the word of God. And not only to those that are listening, but also unto myself, Lord, because we all need to be fed from your word. So we thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're still in control, that you're still on the throne. And no matter what things may look like, Lord, help us not to look in the natural, but help us to see in the spirit. Help us to have our spiritual senses exercised to the point where we can locate you in our everyday lives and where we can hear what you're telling us to do and hear what you're telling us to say and hear what your will is for our lives. And so, Father, I just ask that you would touch each and every person that's listening, those that's dealing with COVID. Lord, I ask that you would touch them, that you would heal them, that you would deliver them. And, Father, that they would live a healthy life with no lingering symptoms. And we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me, as I said, for Rev Kev and The Root, where we get to the root and not just the shoot. The title of the podcast um, is Realms and the Trichotomy of Mankind exercising our spiritual senses, realms and the trichotomy of mankind, exercising our spiritual senses. Right now we're on the subject of shattering the throne of Pharaoh and entering the Exodus, shattering the throne of Pharaoh and entering the Exodus. The book of Exodus, the Hebrew name is Shemot. But Exodus, of course, you know, has to do with going out, leaving out from. And so we talked about, uh, I think in the last podcast that we did, we talked about how the children of Israel, which is the children of Jacob or uh, Yaakov, how his children got down into Egypt. And we talked about that. Uh, And so now we're getting to the point to where we're about to leave Egypt. And I say we because remember, I said we're going to take this journey with the children of Yaakov or Jacob out of Egypt and through the wilderness and, and, and whatnot. But we're going to take it as one of, excuse me, as one of Jacob's children, ourselves. Uh, and the Bible uh, tells us in the book of Romans uh, when Paul was talking about the the doctrine of election, election, when Paul talked about that, the book of Romans tells us about uh, the children of Yaakov or the children of Jacob in Romans uh, chapter 9. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me if you like. Um, and we're going to just look at uh, a couple of scriptures there uh, amongst the other scriptures that we're going to deal with. But the Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 9, uh, let's begin with verse 1. He says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. 
who are Israelites, to whom pertained the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God bless forever. Amen. So Jesus came through the Hebrew uh children, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not, now listen at this, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. They are not all Israel, which which are of Israel, meaning of the people of Israel, meaning born um, Israelites. They are not all Israelites who are born uh, through the blood or through uh, the, 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 the nation of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children? This doesn't qualify them to be children just because they're born Israelites. This doesn't qualify them to be the children of God just because they are the uh, seed of Abraham. He says, are they all children? But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. This is they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. And remember that uh, that Jesus on one occasion told the Pharisees, he said, don't say that we have Abraham for our father, because really the children of God are the spiritual children. Did you hear what I said? The children of God are the spiritual children, not just because that they were born into the Hebrew uh, nation or because they were born Israelites, are they children, but those that are God's children are the, the, uh, the children of, in a spiritual sense. So just because someone is born into a group of people you know, and, and they're religious people or whatever, doesn't make them God's children. But what makes them God's children is the promise and faith in that promise. And then that promised one, which is Yeshua, which is Jesus. So that makes us children of God. You know, some people boast on, well, I'm from this part of the world and I'm a Jew and I'm a, uh, 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 you know, uh, I'm an Arab or I'm a African or, or I'm a European or whatever. All of that really doesn't matter because the Bible says through Paul in the book of Acts, once again, I'll quote this scripture where he was talking on Mars Hill, you know, and he said that God made all men from one blood. So what does the blood really matter? What does your race really matter? What does your ethnicity really matter when it comes to the kingdom of God? Because the kingdom of God is not made up of one people, not just the Jewish people, not just the, the, the Arab people, not just whoever else, not just the African people or the European people or whoever, whatever people. It's not just made up of those of those folks, but it's made up of a group of people. You know, and some people say, well, I'm pure this and I'm pure that. Well, there is no pure. The only pure people are the human race. And that's it. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26, it says, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed 
and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. So it really doesn't matter about your ethnicity or your skin color, because the family of God is made up of all kinds of people, all kinds of men. It's made up of white people, black people, Spanish people, uh, 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 Vietnamese people, Japanese people. We're all one blood. And so, you know, even the children of, of Israel, the Hebrew people were made up of a people because even uh, Abraham's, uh, uh, his wife's concubine, Hagar, was an Egyptian. So that means that uh, one of Abraham's children had African descent, if you want to say that, in their blood. But however, getting a little bit of, uh, ahead of myself, um, but, uh, you know, I just want to look at some scriptures uh, uh, with you and some definitions, and and then maybe we'll outline some areas that we'll be covering uh, as we are in Pharaoh's court and preparing our exodus not many days from taking the wilderness journey with Israel as an Israelite, one of the children of Jacob or one of the children of Yaakov. But let, let's begin with my, my foundational scripture for this lesson. And I'm sure all of you are familiar with it. Uh, Hebrews chapter five, beginning with verse 11, says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not uh, of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is skillful, or I'm sorry, everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe or a baby. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, uh, I was debating whether to read this scripture now or later, but however, let's just read it. Exodus chapter nine, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people Go, a simple message from God through Moses to Pharaoh. Let my people go was the message that they may serve me for I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart. Now listen what God is dealing with. He's dealing with the heart of Pharaoh. God always deals with the heart of man because as the Bible says that out of uh, that the uh, as a man thinketh in his heart so is he that's the true person whatever is in their heart which is their mind their inner being the inner man and upon thy servants and upon thy people that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth now the the Egyptians had a whole panacea of 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 gods a whole plethora of of gods, but God wanted to let them know that there is only one God. That's it. And that's that's what God is trying to let man know even today that there is only one God. You know, but Pharaoh was very stubborn and it's a it's a shame that God sometimes has to go through some some drastic measures to get man to do right. 
even in the book of Genesis. I didn't write this scripture down, but it's uh, it's around uh, chapter nine, I believe it is. And God says that my spirit will not always strive with man because he too, man is flesh and man has to make a choice. God gave us a free will. And so that therefore man has to make a choice. Either he's going to make the right choice and have good, and a good outcome, or he's going to make the wrong choice and have an adverse outcome, one or the other. But man and women, men and women have to make a choice whether or not they're going to follow God or they're not going to follow God. Now, but sometimes God has to do some drastic things to get our minds right. Uh, Exodus, I'm sorry. Yes. Exodus chapter nine, verse 15. For now, I will stretch out my hand. Now, God is a spirit. John 4, 24 tells us God is a spirit. So God is not talking about a literal physical hand, but he's talking about a, a manifestation that he's going to do. But it's his action was what God said. I'm going to take action on Egypt that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And in very deed, for this cause have I raised thee up. Now, he's God is talking to Pharaoh. He says, for this reason have I raised you up, Pharaoh, for to shew in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. As yet exaltest thou thyself against my people that thou wilt not let them go. So through all of these things that God was doing, Pharaoh still would not let the children of Israel go. And sometimes, you know, it seems like it's so hard for some people to let their own wills go. They would rather suffer judgment than to just obey God, deny themselves, obey God and have a good outcome. They would rather hold on to their own wills, even if it costs them eternal ruin. Did you hear what I said? They would rather hold on to their own will than to obey God, humble themselves, obey God, and have a good outcome. They'd rather hold on to their wills and what they want and suffer eternal ruin. Now, God sent Moses to Pharaoh time after time after time, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And some people say, well, if God is love, why would God send someone to hell? Wrong. God does not send anyone to hell. God does not send any judgment upon anyone we release those judgments on our own selves. There's already laws set up in the in the in the in uh in this world, in this sphere, this physical sphere that we live in. There's already laws that God has, has set up. God said in his word that we reap what we sow. Whatever we sow, which is like a farmer going out into a field, sowing seed or putting seed in the ground, which is called sowing. He's putting seed or she's putting seed into the ground. Well, whatever kind of seed we put into the ground, that's what's going to come up. OK, so if we sow the wrong type of seed, then that is what is going to come up. And so Egypt was only reaping what they had sown. God did not just send all these judgments upon Egypt just because. And remember, I said that Egypt is uh, descended, well, all nations really descended from Noah. But Noah's second son, which was Ham, he, one of his children was named uh, Mizraim, which is Egypt. And so remember, Ham uh, saw his father's nakedness, but instead of covering his father's nakedness up, 
he went and told his other brothers about it. Now, there's some speculation that this was a euphemism, that, that Ham actually had sex with his father, um, and then he went and told his other brothers about it. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's some, there's some uh, disputing going on about that. But, however, uh, you know, God, through Noah, Noah said, curse be Canaan. Now, he didn't say curse be Ham, who was the actual perpetrator of it. But he said, curse be uh, uh, Canaan. And Canaan was also uh, the descendant of Ham. And so maybe these two things can be tied together. What Noah said concerning his son, Ham, and, their, and his descendants, maybe they're reaping now what that judgment was. Because the, the Bible says that, that the, 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 the sins of the fathers, uh, uh, you know, are, are, are passed down to the sons. And even Ezekiel talks about that, that the fathers have eaten sour grapes and now the children are reaping what the fathers did. So, you know, there's, there's no way in the world that we could just do things in this life and never expect that there's not going to be any adverse effects when it's wrong things that we're doing, you see. And maybe it doesn't come back on us, but maybe it comes back on our son. Maybe it comes back on our son's son. Maybe it comes back up on our son's son's son. See what I'm saying? All the way down from generation to generation. But whatever we do, believe me, is coming back again. Now, Pharaoh, the name Pharaoh, uh, is paro, uh, really. Uh, but in Hebrew, we say, you know, it's, uh, in English, we say Pharaoh. But uh, it was the term uh, reportedly used for monarchs of Egypt. Egypt from the first dynasty, uh, 3150 BCE, until the annexation of Egypt by the Roman Empire in 30 BCE, a couple of pharaohs were female, being Nefertiti and Cleopatra. So pharaoh is a title and not a name. The children of Israel, the offspring of Yaakov, meaning Jacob, God changed his name in Genesis from deceiver to prince in Genesis chapter 32, verse 28. These are the offspring of Shem, the children of Israel, the eldest son of Noah. Shem means fame, renown, or name. So when we say Hashem, we're saying the name because uh, the Hebrews looked at God's name as being so sacred that it should never be pronounced. So they just say the name or we say the name. The children of Israel did not have a land because they were not a people. A people came out of a person. Did you hear that? The children of Israel or the children of Jacob or the children of Yaakov did not have a land because they were not a people. Uh, uh, a people came out of a person, and that being Abram, Avram, or Abraham. So really, Israel is a composite, a compound, or a fusion, or intermixture, or synthesis of peoples. God said, I've, I've called you out of a people, and I have made you a people. See, this is the same thing that, that God does today with his 
true church, his true people, which are the spiritual people. You see what I'm saying? God takes people from every, he said in his word, he said from every tongue, every language, every background, you know what I'm saying? So God takes people uh, uh, and saves them. That That's what we use, the terminology saves or regenerates them or causes them to be born again, but they come from everywhere. It's not just one group of people, but God makes a, a people out of one person, out of Abraham. You see what I'm saying? And so God makes a people out of Jesus, his body. The, the body of Christ is, is not just no one race of people, but yet there's prejudice that goes on even in the church. You know, with, with dark skin and light skin and white and black and Spanish and, and this and that and the other, you know. And so uh, and so it's, it's the same thing today that we deal with. But God is saying that I'm going to uh, you're not a people, but I'm going to take uh, uh, my son and I'm going to make a people out of him. Amen. When we come to Christ, Christ puts us into one body and, and we become not not just a people that were, but we become a composite. We become a compound. We become a fusion. We become an, an uh, intermixture. We become a synthesis of peoples. My, my foundation for this assertion for, uh, for this is built on the authority and revelation of scripture. And it's a compilation of, of historical recordings. It is recorded in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 through 16. Hagar was Sarai, the Egyptian, uh, the Hagar was an, was an Egyptian uh, handmaid for Sarai, which was Abram or Abraham's wife. Uh, it was Abram at that time. Abram's offspring through her was Ishmael. He was named by the angel of the Lord in Genesis chapter 16, verse 11, which means God will hear. Ishmael means God will hear or God listens. He also was blessed with a large number of descendants because he was an offspring of Abram. Though he was not the promised seed, it was said by the angel of the Lord that he would be a wild man and his hand would be against every man and every man against him as evidence in Genesis 16, uh, 10 through 12. Hagar being Egyptian, uh, Egypt is a descendant of Mizraim, which was the second son of Ham. The, the first son was Cush, but the second son was Ham. And Ham was the second son of Noah. Yes, Shem and Ham were brothers. Yes, they were. Excuse me, which makes the people of Israel and Egypt cousins. Yes, relatives, even though we know by the authority of Scripture that God made all men, we talked about that, or mankind from one blood, as evidence in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 26. Uh, examination and identification. As we look at this and all the scenarios in Israel's captivity and, and uh, journeys, we must use our spiritual sense of sight as enabled by the Holy Spirit to not just look at the natural, but also the spiritual implications of that scene and who is influencing it, God or Satan. Some of our evidence may not be seen in the pericope or the landscape of Scripture as in, in, in the former covenant or Old Testament, some people say it may not be seen there. But as we bring in other portions of Scripture, we can discover unstated realities. To my point, First Chronicles 21.1, 1, 
Through this text, we see that Satan rose up or stood up against Israel and provoked the word. Uh, there is the Hebrew word suth. It is a verb meaning to incite. When it says Satan stood up and rose up uh, uh, against David, it means to incite, to entice or allure or persuade David to uh, number Israel. And he was the king of Israel at the time a man after God's own heart. So we, through deductive reasoning, can conclude that Satan tries to have influence in the political arena of which Pharaoh or Pyro or Pharaoh was no exception. I am not poised to say that Pharaoh was a bad person, but what was the unseen forces at work that influenced his decisions when he put the children of Israel into bondage, when he said that uh, 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 it may be, you know, because they're mightier than us and they're, they're multiplying at an, at an exceptional rate, you know, we need to put them into bondage. We need to deal craftily, craftily with them and we need to make them our slaves and things like that. What made Pharaoh think that? What made Pharaoh decide to do that? Was it just himself or was he influenced by an outward influence, which would be Satan? Well, we don't see that in the in, in the text as much. But if you know anything about witchcraft, you know anything about magicians, if you know anything about all these kind of things, you know that that came from Satan. There's only two powers in this world, uh, Satan and God. That's it. And though I said that he was a narcissistic, paranoid, schizophrenic, still, what was the origin of this condition? In Mark 5, 1 through 20, the Bible says in this particular scenario that the man dwelt among the tombs night and day. He was in the mountains and uh, in the tombs. I'm making a point by bringing this, this New Testament uh, uh, situation or scenario in. He was in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones and they bound him with fetters and chains, but they had been plucked asunder by him. The, fame, the chains and the fetters were, were broken by him. And if it broke it into pieces, neither could any man tame him. Uh, they tried to handle this scenario through natural means. But Jesus showed up. The man ran to Jesus and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou tormentest me not. Verse nine. And, G and he, Jesus asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Verse 12 says, The devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. Verse 15 says, And they came to, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed, the people that were around this man, the ones who tried to bind him and keep him in check. They came and they see him that he was put that the one that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid of him. Jesus had cast the demons out of this man. They were trying to control a spiritual thing by natural means. But Jesus took care of a spiritual thing by spiritual means. Jesus examined and identified the scenario that was before him. Those who had no spiritual sensibility tried to handle the situation with natural means, and Jesus uncovered the fact that it was a spiritual situation that needed to be handled spiritually. Not only that, but look how Satan was able to influence this man's mind. Satan can influence people's minds is the point that I'm trying to make. Even the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, 
in whom the God of this world, speaking of Satan, he little g, little g, not capital G, little g, uh, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Uh, those that are unregenerated, those that are unsaved, those that haven't come to Jesus yet. He said that Satan has blinded their minds. The one that don't have a relationship with the Lord, the ones that aren't born again, the one that aren't Christian. Satan has blinded their minds, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan can work through people just like God works through his vessels. Satan works through his vessels. This lets us know that Satan is the God of this world and seeks to influence the minds of individuals because our thinking is the springboard of our actions. Our thinking is the springboard of our actions, as we see in Proverbs 23, verse number seven. For as he thinketh in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Also in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Let me tell you something. Listen, conformity to the world or transformation, conformity to this world and our present environment, uh, um, or transformation depends on our mind. We could either conform to this world or we can be transformed, the Bible says, by the renewing of our mind. We can we cannot be uh, sucked in by our environment. You see, uh, all the things that the devil is able to influence this world, this, these, the people of this world to do. Uh, it depends on our Mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2 said, Paul said to the church at Rome, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. There's nothing unreasonable about what God is asking us to do. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be pressed in the in the in the in the Greek. It means to be pressed into a mold. When he says, Don't be conformed to this world, don't let this world mold you. But be ye transformed, changed, transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, some a couple of podcasts ago, I said, you know, with our eyes, we're talking about the sense of sight right now. And in Egypt and I'm sorry, in Israel saw a lot of things in Egypt. They saw a lot of things, uh, um, you know, that were done uh, uh, visible things. And so, but, you know, I asked the question, is it with our eyes that we actually see? Is it with our eyes that we actually see? And we talked about the fact that it takes light. We have to have light to be able to see because the light goes into the eye and the eye, the way it's set up, it, 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 it causes different uh, sensors, sensory uh, nerves and things to react. But however, uh, you know, it's really... It still has to go into our mind and it has to be processed there and it has to be understood in our mind and it has to be decided, you know, how are we going to interpret what we see? And, and, and so as we go through this particular scenario and as we go through the journeys uh, uh, that Israel uh, at that time went through, uh, 
you know, how are we going to process what we're seeing? And even in our own lives, we have to look at each and every scenario that we go through in life. You see, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier in this podcast that we have to look at and we have to, to be able to know through our senses, our spiritual senses, who is influencing the scenario that we find ourselves in. And again, let me pull from 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 uh, Jesus encounter with with Peter. When Peter came to Jesus and said, you know, no, Lord, you're not going to go to the cross and this, that and other. And Jesus turned around and said, uh, get behind me, Satan. Uh, you know, it reveals that Jesus knew that it wasn't Peter that was talking to him, but Peter was being influenced by Satan. He said, get behind me, Satan. And I believe that Pharaoh was being influenced by Satan when he took these children, uh, these Hebrews babies, and he threw them in the river to kill them. And, 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 and you know, uh, let me say this, that there is agendas. Satan has his agenda and God has his agenda. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 14, especially verse 12 and following that Satan said that I will be like the most high God. I will put my throne above the stars of God and I will sit on the sides of the north. And God says in his word that I will cast you down. And even Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And in the Garden of Eden, uh, when, when, when Satan came to uh, Eve, he said, God knows that you will be like God, knowing good and evil and all that kind of stuff. And so that's Satan's agenda. And so uh, then you also have man's agenda, which is found in Genesis chapter 11, Verse one and following when they said, let us make a name for ourselves, let us build a tower and let its top reach heaven and all that kind of thing. But yet, uh, you know, when we look at the, 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 the children of Israel getting uh, back into our the focus of our podcast in Exodus chapter one, verse eight, it says that there arose a king that knew not Joseph. And Exodus 1, 10, uh, talks, uh, uh, Exodus 1, 10 through 16 talks about Pharaoh's evil plan. Exodus 1, 6, it says Joseph and his brethren and all that generation <clears throat> died off. In Exodus 1, 23, it says the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage. And they cried and their cry came up to God by reason of their bondage. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. In the Hebrew, when it says that God had respect unto them, it means in the Hebrew that God turned his head. God paid attention to what was going on with the children of of, 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 of Israel. And so in Acts chapter 19, when Stephen was about to be stoned, he said the same talking about this Pharaoh in Egypt, he said the same dealt subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end that they might not live in Acts seven, verse 20. He, Stephen says in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in the father's in his father's house uh three months 
And then in Acts 7.22, Stephen says, and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now, let me say this, that, you know, it, it, you can see how God was, is linking this whole thing up, how God is, 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 is uh, putting together uh, in executing a plan. Because when Joseph was, was sent down to Egypt, his brother sold him to some Ishmaelites. And Joseph said, don't be, uh, a, don't be angry with yourselves because it wasn't you that sent me down here, but it was God. And then Joseph and all that generation died up and then God raised up Moses. And so God, you know, there's, there's always a, a, a continuation. He always ha continually has somebody on the inside, somebody that will uh that he will use to effect a deliverance of his people. And so, you know, the Bible tells us that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of Egypt. Moses was learned, it says in Acts 7:22, and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deed. Now just think God could have God could have sent Moses anywhere, but God put it into Moses's mother's heart to put him into a, a, a little uh, ark, so to speak, and, and, and cover it with pitch and put him into the Nile River. And I guess some people would say just by chance that 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 ark that Moses was in floated down the river and Pharaoh's daughter found it. And Pharaoh's daughter looked at Moses and saw that he was uh, a fair child, that he was beautiful to look at. Uh, as a little baby, uh, handsome or whatever you want to say, and, and fell in love with him and took Moses to be her own son and brought Moses into the into uh, into the into the palace to be her son and to be raised up as Pharaoh's son. Huh? That is not luck. That is God's providence. That is God aligning things, putting things together. Let me tell you something. No matter how bleak things may look, God always has a way. He always has a plan. He always has a plan in place. And he's about to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. But he had prophesied already to Abraham that the children of Israel would be down in Egypt and that they would be there 400 years. God prophesied this to Abraham. You'll find it in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5 through 8. Genesis 15, verse 12 and following said that God prophesied to Abraham that the children of Israel will be down in Egypt 400 years. Now, I don't understand why that people uh, have to suffer and why people feel like that they have to exercise their will upon someone else, you see. And sometimes it's, it's very disturbing, but then when when you look at it, you know, we can say, well, if God was love is love, then why is he allowing this to happen? Why is he allowing that to happen? No, God made a perfect world. It was man who decided to do his own thing, meaning Adam and Eve. And so the Bible says, and so darkness passed upon men. So man has a choice to make, just like we can make the wrong choice to, to, to hurt someone else or, or, to, or to do all kinds of evil things to people. We can make the choice not to. We can make the choice to be kind. We can make the choice to be, to be nice to someone. We don't have to do those things, you see. But the Bible said that, that Jesus came unto his own, his own received him not. He said, because men love darkness rather 
than light. And so why, you know, sometimes when, when someone is doing harm to someone else, why doesn't God just snatch the breath out of that perpetrator's uh, lungs? Why does God allow people that he knows that is going to come into the world, you know, as far as being born, babies that are born, of course, you don't know who you're rocking, who that mother is rocking when that baby is a baby until it gets to be grown, you see, until that person, that baby gets to be grown. Uh, but yet it's a choice. And so God didn't want a robot, but God wanted someone who would serve him willfully. And you see, you see, you can see in Pharaoh how stubborn man can be. God came to Pharaoh time after time and it with one simple request, let my people go that they might worship me. And so Pharaoh didn't have respect unto God. Pharaoh didn't, you know, uh, uh, try to honor God and things like that because Pharaoh was really basically full of himself. And every time it said that God went to Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron, it said that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And the word there, harden, if you look at it in the Hebrew, is the word kabod. Kabod. Or some people might say kabod or whatever. But the, the point is, is that that word means, uh, it, well, it's the same word where glory comes from. The word glory, like we say, we're giving glory to God, giving glory and honor to God and things like that. It comes from that same word. So it actually doesn't mean that so much that Pharaoh, it means that too, that Pharaoh became obstinate or whatever. But it also means that Pharaoh gloried in himself. You see, because the children of, of, of Egypt looked at Pharaoh like he was a, some kind of divine being and that when he died, that's what he was going to become that he was going to become divine, you see. And so it, it was It was just, I mean, when you don't have a clear understanding of who God is and how God expects us to operate, then we, we, we might do anything. We might believe anything, you see. But God was always pulling at Pharaoh's heart. God gave Pharaoh a chance. God gave Pharaoh time. God gives every person time. Even the Bible says to reach back and, 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 and look at another scripture. The Bible says that God gave Jezebel a space to repent, but she would not repent. And let me tell you something with mankind today, God is giving us a space to repent. God is giving us a space to get it right. God is giving us the space to do the right thing. But if we don't do it, then God is, has no other choice. But to allow what's coming to us to come. And that's judgment. So God was always dealing with Pharaoh's heart, king, the, who was the king of, of uh, Egypt. And king in the Hebrew is Melech. You know, Melech, that's the name king. Uh, when you see Amalek, that means that he, that was his name and he was king. So the, the name king in Hebrew is Melech. And God was dealing with Pharaoh's heart. And the word in uh, for heart in Hebrew is leb, which means the will, the mind, the inner man. God was dealing with the inner man. God was dealing with Pharaoh's mind. God was dealing with Pharaoh's will. But the Bible says in, in, in Proverbs uh, 21, 1, that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. It says it's like channels. The word, the Hebrew word is peleg. And we find that in Genesis 10, 25. 
It says that uh, the king's heart is like channels. It means canals or streams or rivers. And so what do you do with a river? You have to, you, you know, God cut out earth and he said the river can go this far. So there has to be boundaries. He didn't just allow the river to go anywhere. And so he's not just going to allow our hearts to just go anywhere and do anything. Um, it said that it's like channels. And it said that the Lord turns it whichever way he will. Now, what tool that God uses to turn a person's heart is up to God. God had to use judgments on Pharaoh. He had to use all of these different judgments upon Pharaoh to get Pharaoh's heart to turn, you see. And, 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 and we find these, these judgments in Exodus, uh, beginning with, uh, let's see. We find these judgments right here with the plague of blood and beginning in Exodus chapter seven. And through all of the plagues that God sent, he sent 10 plagues upon Egypt, 10 plagues God sent upon Egypt. He told Moses and Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded. And he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. This is the first uh, plague, you know, in, in, uh, in Exodus chapter 7, verse 14, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuseth to, list, to let the people go. Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning. Lo, he goeth out unto the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink, against and come and the rod which was turned to a serpent shalt thou take in thine hand and thou shalt say unto him the lord god of of the hebrews hath sent uh me unto thee saying let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness and behold hitherto thou wouldest not hear thus saith the lord in this thou shalt know that I am the Lord, behold, I will smite thee, or I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood, and the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall load to drink of the water of the river. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, take thy rod and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams and upon their rivers and upon their ponds and upon all their pools of water that they may become blood and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. That's in Exodus chapter seven. And we probably will have to do a part two to this podcast uh, entering the Exodus uh, but however, you know, God began to deal with Egypt because he gave Pharaoh a chance. He gave him an opportunity, but Pharaoh would not listen. Pharaoh wanted his will above God's will. And whenever we choose our will above God's will, we can expect judgment to come. With that, let's say our prayer. Father, we, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the power of God. We thank you, Lord, for each and everything you do in our lives. I pray, Father, that this podcast would go far and wide, Lord, not because of me, but because of the word that you've given to me, because it's a true word, Lord. It's a pure word. 
And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that people would be continue to be helped and continue to change and, and continue to turn to you, Lord, and to desire to do your will and not their own will. So, Father, I thank you today for them. Lord, I pray that you keep them safe from uh, COVID, Lord God. Lord, I pray for President-elect Biden, Father, that you would move those devils out of the way. And, Father, that you would make his transition, him and Kamala Harris, Lord, you make their transition peaceful, Lord. And, Father, that you would shine through them, Father. And, Lord, that you, Lord, would be the one who calls the shots. And, Lord, I just thank you. Lord, your word says that we should pray for kings and, and rulers, Lord, that we might live a peaceful life, Father, on this earth. And so, Father, I just ask that you would have your way today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you want to write me, my uh, email is revkevandtheroot, R-E-V-K-E-V-A-N-D-T-H-E-R-O-O-T 2020 at gmail.com. Revkevandtheroot2020 at gmail.com. We also invite you to go to our website that we're still developing. I apologize that it's been a while uh, getting it together. But however, there are some things on there and you can find it at chocolatecommerce.business. That's chocolatecommerce.business. So until next time, God bless you. Thank you for joining me Rev at Revkev and The Root. God bless you. Amen. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is where you are. Thank you for joining me again for Rev, Kev, and The Root, where we get to the root and not just the shoot. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would anoint my lips, Lord. I ask, Father, that you would anoint my lips, that you would anoint my mind, that you would anoint my uh, inter-recesses of my heart, Lord. Uh, if there is any way in me that is not right, Lord, I pray that you would corrected. Uh, even as David prayed, Lord, that you would create in him a clean heart. Lord, I pray that you would create in me a clean heart uh, and renew a right spirit within me. Father, because we know that out of the heart uh, springs all kinds of thoughts and things. And Father, we just, uh, that's where our motives are, are resident uh, and originate from is in our heart. So Father, in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus, I pray that, Lord, you, I will be found faithful in your sight, that I will be found blameless, not in my own righteousness, but in the cross of Christ, in what Jesus did on the cross, Lord, in the work that he did on the cross for me and for the rest of the world. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us enlightenment. Father, we live in this natural world, but there is a spiritual element to this world. And Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would make everything plain. Lord, you said in your word, Father, that eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But your spirit has revealed them to us. They are revealed to us by the Holy Ghost. Jesus, you said that when he, the spirit of truth, is come, the comforter, the one who walks alongside of us, the paraclete, the one that's called alongside, that he would uh, lead us and guide us into all the truth and he would take of yours and show it to us. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you today to take of what, is, what belongs to Jesus, what belongs to his spiritual kingdom and show it unto us. Father, our Father which art in heaven, Lord, we know that hollow is your name, holy is your name. 
your Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your will be done in us, in our physical bodies, Lord, in our vessels. Lord, you said in your word that we are to know how to possess our vessels with sanctification and with honor, Lord. Father, you said uh, through your apostle Paul that we are to lay off the former conversation, our former lifestyle, Lord, and to put on Christ and be renewed in the spirit of our mind. You said, Father, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, we need our minds renewed. We need our minds made fresh. Lord, we need our minds renovated. So, Father, I pray that today you would get all the glory and the honor out of this podcast. Lord, those that's dealing with COVID, Lord, we pray that you would touch them. Lord, that those that have lost loved ones to COVID, we pray that you would comfort their hearts, be with them, comfort them and, and give them strength. Lord, help them through their times of difficulty, through the times when they feel like they can't go on, through the times when they feel like, Lord, the world is against them, through the times, Lord, of sadness and sorrow. Father, we pray that you would minister to them. Lord, we know that it takes time and it takes the touch of God for people to be healed and to be made whole again. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that if they were not whole in the beginning, Father, that you would make them whole. Lord, you said in your word that it's your will that we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. So, Father, we ask that you would do it, Lord. Have your way today, Father. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, for President-elect Biden, Lord God, that you would make his uh, uh, transition smooth. Father, I pray that you would... Father, uh, comfort his heart and Lord, that you'd also give him a mind to seek your face, to seek your will, Lord, and to seek your way and to desire, Lord, for your will to be done in this earth. Uh, not the will of man, not the will of the house, not the will of the Senate, Lord God, but your will to be done in your world because this world belongs to you. We belong to you, Lord. None of us belong to ourselves. Uh, your word says that we are bought with a price and that, that, that price was the blood of Jesus. So father, we know that this world will never be corrected totally and holistically until Jesus comes again and sets up his millennial kingdom on the earth. Only then will righteousness rule and reign in the earth. And so father, I pray that you, Lord God, man that would begin to seek you as never before. I pray Lord for a revival, Lord, for a change in this land. I pray Father, for a, for a burden to repent in, in men and women's hearts, Lord God, knowing that we have sought our own way too long. Lord, your word says that we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But Lord, you, you said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. Lord, help us to turn to you with our whole heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have been talking about realms and the trichotomy of mankind exercising our spiritual senses and we've been talking about the sense of sight and when we are not saved or when we are unregenerated or when we before we came to Jesus or before Jesus touched our life in such a way and we surrendered to him uh we we uh had physical eyes to see in this physical world you see and we still have physical eyes to see not everyone has eyesight some are born blind uh, but nevertheless, those of us who do have eyesight, uh, uh, and, and, and let me say this, that those who are, are handicapped, they are, they are not less human than what we are. 
and some of them uh, do, do things better than what we do it. Uh, but for those that are handicapped, God has has increased other senses in their bodies to to compensate for what they don't have. And 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 God doesn't just leave a person to struggle, you see. But God God touches those handy those that are handicapped. And, and and shows them other ways to handle the situation. And we can learn from that in our own lives because all of us have some kind of handicap, something that that has held us back in our life, and God will show us how to deal with our handicaps. Now, that's a revelation because that wasn't even a part of the podcast uh, message. And so God will show us how to, to do that because he's a loving God, because he's a kind God, because he's a merciful God. And because he is a God that is touched by the feeling of our infirmities, God cares for us. OK, so uh, but those of us that do have eyesight to see and then some of us look at the wrong things and we need to put the right things before our eyes, me included. I'm not just preaching to you on that side of the podcast, those that are listening, but I'm talking to me, too. Because just because a person is a preacher or a bishop or a pastor or whatever does not mean that there's not areas in their lives, in their own lives, that they need to work on also and things that they need to get together and, 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 and areas that they need cleaned up, not by their own. Well, we, we have a certain amount of responsibility to do certain things in our lives that God tells us to do, to pray, to read the word, to repent, to not go where we know we're not supposed to go, to not look at what we know we're not supposed to look at and not uh, have in our ears the things that we know we're not supposed to listen to. But other than that, we cannot correct our own hearts uh, holistically, but only God can do that. J David said after he uh, sinned with Bathsheba, he said, created me a clean heart, cast not your Holy Spirit from me. He knew that his cleansing came from God. But however, we that are born with eyesight to see in this natural world, God has given us eyes to see as a navigational tool in this world. Uh, and so uh, we've been talking about the sense of sight. And just because, you know, you get saved does not mean that now you don't you, you have to do away with sight. But it's not the exactly the same kind of sight, but it's in a sense it is in a sense it's not because we see with natural eyes, but then. The Bible talks about through the Apostle Paul, the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our hearts being enlightened, meaning the eyes of our mind, the eyes, uh, the internal man. Paul said, even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And so just like I have senses, six senses in this natural body, I also have senses in my spiritual man, which comes alive when Jesus comes into my life and I'm regenerated and born again. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again because you were born naturally with natural things, but then you're born again spiritually with spiritual things. He said, he that is that is born again, that is not born again, cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He cannot perceive it. She cannot perceive the kingdom of heaven if we are not born again, because we can't see the kingdom of heaven with our natural eyes because it is a spiritual kingdom. And even though we see natural things around us, there is a spiritual element and there is a place called heaven and there is a place called hell, whether you believe it or not. I don't argue with people about that kind of thing because I am of the opinion that one day we will all know the truth. Okay, so we're born with our natural uh, eyes and ears and nose and all that kind of thing. But when we're born again, we also have an equivalent to those things 
uh, speaking, those things are our eyes. We have an equivalent to our eyes. There is revelation we see with our heart, with our, uh, uh, our, the eyes of our understanding. We hear with our spiritual ears. We know with our spiritual mind, you see, and we're able to, 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 uh, not see with the sense of smell. It's like, uh, discernment. And in the natural, we smell and we can smell when something is rotten and when it's going bad. And in the spirit, uh, uh, we have this, the, the gift of discernment or the sense of discernment where we can tell when a situation is not right, when it's bad, when we need to get away from it and things like that. So that's what we've been talking about. But we've been uh, in the context of what we've been talking about is the children of Israel being down in Egypt and coming out of Egypt and how they got into Egypt. We already talked about that uh, uh, through Jacob uh, and, and going down there during the famine. Uh, and then we also talked about the Pharaoh that arose after Joseph and all his brothers died off. There was a Pharaoh that arose and the Bible says that that Pharaoh did not know Joseph. He did not have a relationship with Joseph. He didn't know anything about Joseph. And so there arose that Pharaoh and I, I mentioned on another podcast that that Pharaoh was, a par uh, to me, he was a narcissistic, paranoid, schizophrenic because he decided that he would uh, put the children of Israel into bondage and make them their servants because he said that they're multiplying all over the place and exponentially uh, exponentially, and, and also that they're flourishing and, and they're becoming more than what we are. And he was afraid that they were going to, if they had an enemy that would come against Egypt, that the children of Israel would join with the enemy of Egypt and overtake Egypt. But I mentioned that the uh, Israelites never one time, the text does not suggest that they mentioned one time about uh, joining with, uh, uh, you know, with the enemies of Egypt, not one time. And so that particular Pharaoh dreamed all of that up in his head. And let me say this while I'm on that subject, that not everyone is fit for leadership. Not everyone is fit to rule. Not everyone has the temperament to be able to rule righteously and to be able to rule in favor of everyone and not just a certain people or, or, or you know, or a certain person or a certain ethnic group or what have you. Uh, they, everybody doesn't have the right temperament to be uh, in leadership, whether it be a king or whether it be a president or whatever. Everybody does not have the right temperament. And so uh, what is temperament anyway? Well, the online dictionary says this about temperament. It says that it is a person or animal's nature as it is, as, as it permanently affects their behavior. Let me say that again. What is temperament? A person or animal's nature as it permanently affects their behavior because whoever a person is in their core, whoever a person is on the inside, on the in the inner man, that is the type of person that you're going to have on uh, in leadership or on the throne or what have you, because you can't separate who the person really is from how the person is and how they'll rule and how they'll make decisions and how they'll treat other people. You can't separate the two because who they are is who they are. Uh, you know, so so this particular pharaoh uh, was was terrible. Uh, and I said last time that I wasn't poised to say that he was a bad person. But really, in, in essence, I suppose he really was, you know, because 
he had no feeling for the children of Israel and for their plight and for the things that he did to them. In matter of fact, one time Moses came to Pharaoh and he asked him to let the children of Israel go. And Pharaoh uh, made their work harder. He said, I want you to produce the same amount of work, but I'm going to take away the straw. And you have to you have to provide your own straw. You have to find your own straw to make bricks. And he didn't care that their 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 uh, their plight got so much more difficult uh, and to the point where the children of Israel begin to be disheartened and to begin to lose spirit uh, and begin to lose heart. So let me say this. Leadership is not so much about uh, education or kinship, you know, as one would succeed another one on the throne because they're related and all that kind of stuff is, you know, all of that is really it's not at the real core of a true leader. Uh, uh, you know, being related to one and, and uh, uh, you know, they call it being uh, that, pol that uh, being political, you know, because I know you, I can help you get this position or I can help you get that position or what have you. Uh, and leadership also is not necessarily just about education. I'm not saying that a person should not be educated. Do not, please mis do not misunderstand what I'm saying. Colleges and, and schools and all that is good, but the the overall uh qualification for a leadership should be more about heart it's great when we have all these other things all of these degrees and all this other stuff but it's more about heart and and who the person really is in their essence and in their makeup pharaoh's uh temperament as i say was narcissistic uh, schizophrenic and why is the temperament of a person so important when it comes to uh leadership because the welfare of everyone will be affected. The welfare of everyone will be affected. Let me read you a passage of scripture. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to First First Timothy. I'm trying to hurry along because I know time will be over with before we know it. First Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-two, and it. Uh, let me see. Let me make sure I'm in a in the right place. I wrote it down. I think I might have wrote it down wrong. But however, first uh, Timothy chapter two, verse one. I don't know why I got wrote 22. First Timothy chapter two, verse one. Paul says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, uh, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. I was looking at something recently, uh, I think it's another podcast or what have you, and uh, the person was, was uh, rebuking this lady because she was talking about uh, p politics and talking about, you know, uh, whatever area she was talking about. And uh, they said that, you know, you shouldn't uh, mix religion with uh, politics. Well, first of all, I just read you a scripture where where Paul and this every word is inspired by God. Man wrote it, but God told man what to write, basically. Uh, when it talks about inspiration, every scripture is breathed by God. And so it's, it tells you right there that we ought to pray, first of all, and make supplication and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. That's First Timothy chapter 2. 
beginning with verse one. And so we should pray for those that are in political arenas and everything like that because it affects our life. Every it, when a person is in authority, when someone sits on the throne, when someone sits in the Oval Office, it not only affects Washington, but it affects all of us. And so the Israelites life was made difficult because the wrong person was on the throne of Egypt. The Pharaoh that 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 uh, went before him was welcoming to Joseph and to Joseph's Joseph's family. And he allowed them to be to live in the land of Goshen and the, and, and they were taken care of during the famine. But this next Pharaoh was not like that. And so temperament does play a big part. Who a person is does play a big part, a very big part uh, in, uh, you know, in, in leadership. Uh, also, let me get over here to first first Samuel. Uh, Israel wanted a king. Really, God was telling them that I'm your king. You don't need a king. But they said, give us a king like all of the other nations. Uh, we want to be just like all the other nations, you know, and and. Uh, that's been a downfall for in many areas of uh, society. First Samuel chapter eight. First uh, Samuel chapter eight, beginning with verse four. And uh, the people chose Saul to be their king. They didn't want God to be their king, to be their leader, to be their ruler. But they wanted Saul. And so first Samuel chapter eight, verse uh, four says this, it says, then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah. Samuel asked him to be there and said unto him, behold, thou art old and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Uh, now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people, give them what they want in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. This is God telling this to Samuel. They have not rejected you, but they have rejected me according to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods so do they also unto thee now therefore hearken unto their voice now be it uh how be it yet protest solemnly unto them and show them uh the manner of the king that shall uh reign over them in, that, uh, in other words show them his mo um Verse 10, and Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked him of a, of a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots, and he will uh, appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments uh, uh, of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectioner, confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, 
and give them to his servants, and he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and to, uh, to give them to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your uh, goodliest young men and your asses and uh, put them to his work. In other words, your donkeys. He's going to take your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. If you look at what God is telling them, the word take is in there from verse to verse. He shall take, 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 he shall take. And ye shall cry, he says, out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. That's a bad place to be in where God don't hear you. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, nay, but we will have a king over us. Listen to him. That we also may be like all the nations and that our kingdom, uh, that our king may judge us and go before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hear, uh, hearken, which means hear, hearken unto the, their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. So this is what the people asked for. And God told Samuel, they're not rejecting you, but they're rejecting me. And because Samuel sat on the throne, Israel had to suffer many things because you could not separate. Sam In other words, I'm sorry, when Saul sat on the throne, Israel suffered many things. Samuel was a prophet, but Saul was the king uh, that was chosen by the people and not by God. And, and and so uh, when he sat on the throne, Israel suffered many, many things. And God said, he shall take and he shall take and he shall take. And there's there's seven times that the that is that that is mentioned what he shall do. And the number seven is the number of completion. And so what is what was God saying? Uh, you know, Samuel is completely about himself. He's full of himself. I'm sorry, Saul. Saul is fully about himself. I don't know why I keep saying Samuel. Saul is fully about himself. That's what he is about him and his, his servants. He'll take for himself and his servants. And he's not going to ask you. He's going to take from you. But this is what you asked for, because you did not want God to be your king. You were more concerned about being like everyone else than than that. But we're talking about the temperament of the king and, and one in authority and how that, that temperament really matters. That's what we're really talking about. Uh, you know. In, in Exodus chapter 7, verse 3, I want to go there. Exodus chapter 7, verse 3. And to the word of God, Exodus 7, verse number 3. It says, and, and I, God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgment. God said, I'm going to bring them out by great judgment because there's somebody that's sitting on the throne that's stubborn, that doesn't want to honor me, that doesn't want to listen to me. And, and when it said that God shall harden Pharaoh's heart, the word in, in Hebrew is kabod or kabod. And, and it talks in when the word... Uh, Harden there in Hebrew is kabod or kabod. 
uh, is talking about glory. It's, uh, and when he talks about the glory of God, it's talking about the kabod of God. And so what is God saying when he says, I shall harden Pharaoh's heart, I shall kabod Pharaoh's heart. In other words, I'm going to honor what's in his heart. I'm going to let him have what is in his own heart. I'm going to allow him to have what's in his own heart. I'm going to allow him to go after what's in his own heart. I'm going to allow him to glorify his own heart and his will and what he wants to do because, you know, God gives us so many chances to get it right. And then after that, judgment comes, not because God just wants to judge us, but because we, we give him no other choice because God comes to us and, and, and says, get it right, you know, straighten this out. And then we don't do it. And then judgment comes. Uh, but, you know, uh, also Pharaoh being a type of Satan uh, or, or a, a pic, uh, pic, uh, depiction of Satan uh, in so many senses, uh, you know, uh, Pharaoh really did not want to let the children of Israel go. But it doesn't matter because when God, what God says is what really matters. And, you know, Pharaoh tried his best to hold on to the children of Israel but God knows how to deal with him. In Exodus, uh, because the devil really doesn't want us to be free. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In Exodus chapter 25, let me share that with you also. Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. Exodus 8, I'm sorry. Uh, Exodus 8. Let me get this out of my Bible so I can turn my pages. Amen. And you do a lot of work with your Bible, you have all kinds of stuff stuck in it. Amen. Exodus chapter 8 and verse number 25 through 32. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet uh, so to do. So Pharaoh said, sacrifice to God, but sacrifice to him in the land of Egypt. He says, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord, our God. We'll find our, in other words, we'll find our own sacrifices. God appoint us to some sacrifices that he wants us to lay on the altar. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? And will they not stone us? We will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice the Lord our God as he shall command us. In other words, Pharaoh, you're not to command us how to serve God, but we're going to serve God how we serve God. There is a certain point where church and state needs to be separate in a sense, because, you know, when when the state tries to impose its will upon the church and then there they're, it's overreach at that point. And Pharaoh said, I will I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord, uh, your God, in the wilderness only. He's not my God, he's saying, but I'm going to let you go sacrifice to your God in the wilderness only. I want to keep you right here. Uh, shall Ye shall not go very far away. The devil never wants a person that he has in bondage to go far from him. Entreat for me. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat... Uh, the Lord, that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. We haven't got to the plagues yet, but Moses is praying for Pharaoh. But Pharaoh says, look, you can go a certain distance, but that's it. I want you to stay right here. 
uh, let me see, did we read it? Uh, Exodus chapter 8, uh, verse, yeah, we read verse 28. You shall not go very far away. In Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 5, Exodus 14, 5 says, And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of uh, Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people, and they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? That's, uh, we're jumping a little bit ahead, but, you know, they, he changed his mind. He didn't want Israel to go all the way out. In Exodus chapter 10, verse 25, uh, Exodus 10, verse 25, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to everything, but Exodus chapter 10, verse 25, and Moses said, thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Um, so we, we talked about the temperament of the person that's, that's sitting on the throne in leadership. It affects everyone. Also, God sent all of these plagues upon, is, upon Egypt. What is a plague? A plague is defined as an, an infectious disease uh, caused by bacterium, uh, eusonia, pestis. Uh, that's a, a scientific term. Uh, the symptoms include fever, weakness, and headaches, usually begins one to seven days after uh, exposure. But in the Hebrew, the word plague is megafeh. Uh, it's a noun that means to blow, to slaughter. It means pestilence. Uh, it means um, uh, a stroke. Uh, and it's from the word nafa. It means to strike, to smite, to beat, to inflict and to slay. And so God sent 10 plagues upon the children of Egypt. And just because Pharaoh didn't want to let them go, didn't mean that he wasn't going to let them go, even if he had to be made to let them go. You see what I'm saying? Uh, God knows how to deal with our enemies. Uh, the first plague was the plague of blood. That's in Exodus chapter 7, verse 20 through 25. The second one was the plague of frogs, that's in Exodus 8, 1 through 15. Next was the plague of lice, Exodus 8, 16 through 19. Next is the plague of the flies, uh, Exodus 8, 20 through 24. And then Pharaoh tells uh, the children of Israel they can go, but then he began to play with God. He changed his mind. He said, go, no, I'm not going to let you go. Go, no, I'm not going to let you go. Uh, the next one was the plague on the cattle in Exodus 9, 1 through 7. The next one was the plague of boils, Exodus 9, 8 through 12. The next uh, one was, the, you know, the, the plague of hail in Exodus 9, verse 22 through 26. But before the hail was sent and, and other plagues were sent, God gave Pharaoh this. He told him, he told him what the command was, let my people go. Then he gave him a warning in uh, uh, even concerning the hail uh, in Exodus, I believe it's chapter nine, uh, verse 13 through 21. But however, the, the, the plague of, of hail before God sent that plague of hail, he gave Pharaoh a warning. God always gives us instruction. He gives us time to get it together and to obey and to comply. And then after that, if we don't, then judgment comes. Uh, Pharaoh's response is seen in Exodus 9, 27 through 38. And then God gives Pharaoh another warning about the locust, that he's going to send locusts upon the land in Exodus 10, uh, verse 3. Uh, this, the plague of locusts came in Exodus 10, verse 12 through 20. 
Then there was the plague of darkness in Exodus 10 through uh, 10, 21 through 29. Exodus 10, 21 through 29 is the plague of darkness. And then the final plague came in Exodus chapter 11. Uh, God gave also again, Pharaoh, he gave him a warning that he was going to take his firstborn son and the firstborn of all everyone in Egypt. He was going to kill the firstborn, not only of the people, but of the cattle also that God was going to kill them. And, and God sent all these plagues, all these judgments upon Egypt. And many times God said this. He said that you may know that I am God, Pharaoh, because see, when, when man gets too full of himself and when he gets too prideful and when he's hooked up to his own heart, when he, lo when he has a, a love affair with his own self, then God has to show man who is really in control, who is actually God. God has to show man I'm God and not you. That's what he shows all of us, no matter who we are. God is no respecter of persons. But Pharaoh got too big, as we say in our day, got, he got too big for his own britches. But there is a lesson, like we talked about, there was a, that the, you know, the signs that God sent, every sign had a voice. And, you know, when God was talking to Moses, he said, put your, put, uh, take the, the rod and throw it on the ground. It'll become a snake and then take your hand and put it in your bosom. It'll become leprous. He said, if they don't listen to the voice of the sign, every sign has a voice. But also not only that, but every judgment of God, every time God sends judgment upon the earth, we ought to learn something. We ought to hear something from that judgment. Because it's telling us something about God and, 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 and his personality and his and what he wants and what he wants, what he will accept and what he won't accept. So there was lessons from the plagues and, and just some of the side note lessons that we can learn that uh, from these plagues is that God uses natural things in judgment. God uses natural things in judgment. God sent flies. He sent darkness. He sent hell. You know, he, he sent frogs. He sent lice and all those kind of things. God uses natural things in judgment. You look through the book of Revelation and you'll find out that God uses natural things in judgment. And, and even with the children of Israel, when they begin to uh, disobey God and, and, and turn on God and, 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 and get stiff necked and stubborn. God, God caused the natural uh, creation man. He caused the nation of Babylon to take Israel into captivity. And he raised up some of the other of Israel's enemies against them. God used natural man to bring judgment. Matter of fact, when, you know, we're sharing the last podcast, how Satan rose up and, and enticed uh, David to number Israel. And then God asked David, he said, do you want me to judge you or do you want man to judge you? And so God uses natural means a lot of times, not saying that's that's all that God would do, because we cannot put God in a box. God is not static. God is dynamic. God is always moving. God is always doing things. And so. Uh, and, and we don't know how God is going to operate because the Bible says through the Apostle Paul, who knows the mind of the Lord that he may instruct them. We don't know. But the spirit tells us uh, of God's mind. But we don't know what God is going to do from one day to the next. So uh, God uses natural things, but God also uses his prophets in judgment. You know, uh, uh, Moses said that the Lord will raise up a, a, a prophet for you, for the children of Israel, like unto me. And, and so uh, Moses was not just a messenger, but he was also a prophet. But he told Pharaoh, he told Pharaoh, and this is what a prophet should do. A prophet should go before the people and tell the people what God said. 
You see in Jeremiah, you see those that prophesied out of their own imaginations. God said they prophesied, but I haven't said anything. He said they're wagging their tongue like a dog. And so let me say this, that, you know, nowadays, you know, in big Christian circles, we see prophets and things like that. And they're going before the people and, and they have all these wonderful prophecies about a new car and, and, and plenty of money and a new house and all those kind of things. But a prophet does not just prophesy good things, but a prophet prophesies what God says. And God is not one sided, but God is love. He's mercy. He's, he's compassion and all of that. But God is also judgment. God will also send down some fire on Sodom. God will also send some frogs into Egypt. He'll send some lice. He'll send some darkness. He'll send some blood and all that kind of thing. And so a prophet, it, it does not just prophesy good things, but sometimes it's not so good things. Amen. So God uses man in his judgments. He uses natural things. He uses man in his judgments. You know, even in the book of Revelation, they talk about the two witnesses that lay in the street and things like that. And Jesus even talked about, you know, how God sent them the prophets, but they killed the prophets. They didn't want to listen to the prophets because they didn't like the message that the prophets were bringing. And also, not only that, but God gives us time. He gives man time to comply with what he has said. God to, uh, told Moses to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He gave him time after time after time after time after time in preaching the same message, let my people go. But Pharaoh would not comply. God gives man time. But then, you know, the, the time runs out sooner or later. They say God is long suffering, but how long is long? In Second Peter uh, 1 Second Peter three, I'm sorry. Second Peter three, one through 18. We see this uh, 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 about God's judgment. Uh, man decides his own outcome by either his willingness to comply or his disobedience and refusal to comply. Man decides his meaning man and woman decides their own outcome by their willingness to comply or their disobedience and refusal to comply. Whatever we decide to do decides our outcome. Amen. Now, let me also say this before our time runs out. Some other things as a side note that we can see in this in this lesson is that God hears our cry in Exodus 3, 9. It says that God heard the children of Israel. He had respect unto them. And in the Hebrew, the word where it says had respect unto someone, just as in Cain, with Cain and Abel, it said that he had respect unto Abel's offering meant that God turned his head. That's what it means when it says has respect. God hears our cry. Exodus 3, 9. God knows our situation. Exodus 3, 7. God sees and knows the habits of our enemy. God knows right where our enemy is. Exodus 8, 20. And also Job 1 and 7. God turns his head in our direction and responds to our plight. Exodus 2, 25. Hebrews 4, 15. God, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, his response is time sensitive. God's response is time sensitive. God told Abraham, your uh, uh, offspring will be in a land that's not theirs for 400 years and nothing will be done until the time that God has already said and uh, has already set. God knows how to deal with what is trying to deal with us. He knows how to deal with our enemies, our enemy, especially our enemy, which is Satan. The people around us are not our enemies, but when they're controlled by the devil, they're, they're working for our enemy. So they become our enemies in a sense. Uh, either our enemy will move or God will move our enemy. He knows how to, he knew how to deal with Pharaoh. God is showing us right there in illustration that he knows how to deal with whatever is trying to deal with us. 
God is fair to all the ones affected as well as the perpetrator. God told Pharaoh, look, you know, let my people go. If Pharaoh had, would have done that, then God wouldn't have sent those judgments on Egypt. That was Pharaoh that released those things upon Egypt because, you know, I don't care what we think about ourselves. We are not God. He is God and he is always going to be God. The Bible says every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And when we cross that line, then we're putting us, ourselves and our people, whoever's around us, our family or whoever else in a bad spot. But God is fair because God gave Pharaoh a chance. God gave him a chance. God was bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was fair to them. He was fair to Egypt because God told Pharaoh what was going to happen if he didn't listen, but he decided not to. So he was fair to everyone. God is fair. God protects and shields the righteous from his judgment. Second Peter 2.9 and also 2 Timothy 2.19 and also Exodus 9.7. God said, I'm going to set a distinction. Let me, let me try to read that right quick. Exodus 9 and verse 7. And it says, uh, let me see if that's the right verse. Exodus 9, 7, Exodus 8, 22. Let me see which one it is I want. Exodus 9, 7 is one of them. And Exodus 8, 22 is another one of them. Uh, I think that's the one I want. Uh, Exodus 8, 22 says, and I will sever in that day the land of Goshen. In other words, I will cut. Or, or 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 separate uh, that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth and also Exodus nine twenty six uh, the Bible says uh, only in the land of Goshen well let me let me go up a little bit. Uh, verse 24, Exodus 9, 24. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field only in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were there was no hail did you hear that there was no hail in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel was let me give you those scriptures one more time second Peter 2 9 second Peter uh second uh, Peter 2 9 second Timothy 2 19 Exodus 9 7 Exodus 8 22 and Exodus 9 26 now, we must uh, cooperate with God to be spared from judgment, just as God told Noah in Exodus, I'm sorry, in Genesis 6, 13 uh, and 18 through, uh, through 19. Let me read that. Exodus, I keep saying Exodus. That's when you're trying to hurry up. Amen. We only have so much time before we run out of time. Amen. Uh, Genesis chapter 6. Verse 13 says, and God saw, uh, said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. God was about to judge all the world for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them 
with the earth. God said he was sorry that he made man. I also go on down to Genesis chapter six, verse 18. He says to Noah, but with thee will I establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy son's wives with thee, the daughter-in-laws and of every living thing of all two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee they shall be male and female. Amen. Let me read this also. Exodus, go with me to Exodus chapter 12. Amen. So God is bringing judgment upon the world. This world is a judgment day is coming. We've been talking about that since I was a child, that judgment about judgment day. And so, but God knows how to spare his people from judgment. All the judgments that he brought up on Egypt, none of them touched Israel, his people. Um, and so it's not that Israel is so special, but God chose a people out of a people to show everyone how he cares for all of his people. He used Israel as an example. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 through 13. Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. 1 through 13. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbors next unto his house take unto Take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your uh, count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two sides of the post uh, and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it and they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it eat not it raw nor sodden at all with water but roast with fire his head with his legs and the uh pertinence thereof, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth uh, of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire, and thus shall ye eat with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of the of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where, where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you, when I smite the land of Egypt. And the Bible talks about that when God came through uh, through the land of Egypt, when God sent that final plague, the plague of the firstborn, then Pharaoh released the people. 
But why did it take all of that? Because sometimes the will of man is so stubborn. Uh, man is so hard headed that he will not obey God. Exodus uh, chapter 12, verse 29 in our closing. And it came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on the throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle and Pharaoh or Pyro rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not a dead person or or one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said and be gone and 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 bless me also. So he's saying it's going to bless me for you to be gone from here. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people. They, they heard them along that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they uh, borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver jewels uh, of gold and raiment and the lord gave the people favor in the sight of the egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled the egyptians and so now the children of israel is getting ready to leave out of the land of egypt and the bible says in in uh we we wrote the scripture down that the lord knows how to deliver the righteous. He knows how to deliver the righteous. Amen. And, and so we're getting ready now as one of the children of Israel to take our journey uh, into the wilderness. And there are many stops in the wilderness. And, you know, it's just, it's the same thing in our lives. There's, there's many uh, different uh, situations that we'll find ourselves in. And in those situations, God is trying to teach us something about ourselves, but he's also trying to teach us something about him, you know. And so God is is multidimensional. God is not just one way, you know. And so just like I said uh, earlier, that God is, is not static. He is dynamic. He is always moving. And that's one thing that we'll begin to see about the children of Israel in their journey is that they were always moving, always moving, always moving forward. Uh, and the things that they had left behind were now behind. And, and there was a place that they were going to that was before them. And so they had to, they had to uh, use their senses to 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 uh follow God because there you're going to notice that there is going to be an ever abiding presence of God in the cloud uh, of fire by night and the pillar of 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 cloud by day and so you know it's just like that in in our spiritual lives we have to have our spiritual eyes open to see God first of all and, and, and we talked about that in a couple of podcasts ago, that how that Moses was a man and Hebrews talks about that, that Moses saw God, you see. And the Bible in, in uh, Matthew says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
But yet the Bible says that God is a spirit in John 4, 24. So how can we see God? How can we see God? We see God with our spirit man. We see God with the inner man. You see, we, we don't want to live in this life in the outer man, in our feelings, and if it feels right, and if it look, you know, if it if it looks right, and and uh, you know, and and uh, all of our physical appetites and things like that. We don't want to be controlled by what we've been controlled by all of our lives, which is the natural man. But we want to begin to be controlled by the spirit man. We all fight battles. We all fight with the flesh. We all fight things trying to come back into our lives that are counterproductive to our spiritual development and in our spiritual progress. We all fight those things, man. Don't don't. I, I just I like real people. I like real preachers. I like real pastors. I like real bishops that will let you know. It's not that you have to put all your dirt out there before people, but will let you know, hey, man, it's, it's not just this super spiritual thing, you know, where, where I don't feel anything. I don't fight with nothing, you know, or anything like that. But we we all live in this world and we're all trying to make it to heaven. Amen. You know, it's, it's, it's not that, I, you know, I've, I've forgotten, like I heard a, a preacher say one time, and I appreciated that. He said, look, it's not that I've forgotten how to cuss. I just don't do it, you see. And so whatever, whatever progress we're going to make in this life, in our spiritual journey, it is going to be because of God. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Jesus said, you can't add one cubit to your stature. You know, things that we worry about and things that we fret about and all that kind of stuff, things, natural things. We, we can't do anything about that anyway. But my time has run out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now today, Lord, for your glory. We thank you for the glory that you um, have shined upon our lives. And Jesus, I just ask that you be with us, that you would keep us. Lord, help us to grow in you and to know you more and more every day. In Jesus' name, if you want to write me, it's RevKev and the Root 2020 at gmail.com. RevKev and the Root 2020 at gmail.com. And I also ask that you would consider giving to this podcast. Amen.